Hi, this is Tippi Hedren, and I'm going to be a guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to another edition of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 61. I'm Brian Zemrak, and we have a show for you today. And it is going to be having a guest named Tippi Hendren. Of course, you know who that is. She starred in Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds and Marnie. And she talks about her Shambhala Preserve, where she cares for rescued tigers and lions, and also including Thriller and Sabu, who were owned by Michael Jackson. And she talks about that and so much more. It's a great show. you got to hear her talking. She's got some great stories about Hitchcock and uh, Sean Connery and the whole works. It's all coming up on the interview segment of On Screen and Beyond very shortly. Also, we want to remind you that our website, onscreenandbeyond.com, uh, you can check it out for the weekly movie top 10. And uh, we list all the top 10 movie box office hits for you each week right on the front page. Just scroll down toward the bottom. It's right down there. You can check that out at onscreenandbeyond.com. All right. And looks like uh, we're going to get into the Tippy Hendren interview in just a minute. But first, of course, we got to go to Remake Madness coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Remakes, remakes, and more remakes. Well, it just seems like they never stop. And we've talked about this one before, but now there's a little sort of update on it. A remake of Dune is in the works, and it's based on, of course, the Frank Herbert novel. And it's expected now to have a 2010 release, so keep an eye out for that one. The movie Author... Of course, you all remember that one with Dudley Moore. It looks like it's headed for a remake. There is no release date on this at this time. Uh, but uh, what we're hearing, it's rumored that Russell Brand is slated to play Arthur this time. And 1991's Drop Dead Fred is being looked at for a remake by Universal. And, uh, you know, that's not that long ago, but it seems like it was just out a little while ago. But it was 1991. And, uh, you know, you got to keep an eye out for that one because we also hear that Russell Brand is going to be starring in that one. So, like we always tell you, you don't know what's going to happen with these. These can be in development, in production. Uh, they can even be in the final process, and they can just dump the film. So we don't know what's going to happen on these, but that's what they're saying right now. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming movies. It's time to look at upcoming movies, and listen to this now. Topher Grace, Emma Roberts, Julia Roberts, Anne Hathaway... Jessica Alba, Jessica Biel, Jennifer Gardner, Shirley MacLaine, Ashton Kutcher, and more will be in the cast of Valentine's Day, a romantic comedy being directed by Gary Marshall. Okay, now that's quite a cast and director. Uh, it's looking for a February 2010 release, so keep an eye out for that one. Pixar Animation Studios is working on a new film set for a 2012 release called 1906. It's about a young man who discovers a series of secrets and lies that left San Francisco highly, highly vulnerable to the fires that engulfed it 
after the aftermath of the 1906 earthquakes. That sounds a little bit different for the Pixar animation type movie, but you know they do a great job on everything they do. So we keep an eye out for that one. And Vin Diesel will lead his uh, will lend his voice rather to the Rockfish. It's about a man on an alien planet trying to catch an elusive giant fish. Okay, so we'll see how that one works out. And that's about it for upcoming movies from On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next, taking you down to Sequel City. Sequel City gives you a chance to find out what's going on as far as sequels coming up. And right now, The Hangover is in uh, the theaters right now, and it's doing great box office. But they're already talking box office money for the second one that's right they want to make more the hangover 2 is in development and it's looking for a 2011 release so we'll keep you updated on that and jack black will return to rock and roll in school of rock 2 and it's in the early draft of the script right now it's been completed that's been completed and there is no release date for it at this time but they are working on that also in development is national treasure 3 from jerry bruckheimer with a possible 2011 release on that one and mean girls 2 is in development there's no word on who will star in it this time but we'll keep you updated once again on that so that's about it for sequel city coming up next we're going to take you down and find out what's coming out on dvd from tv right here on on screen and beyond When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TV on DVD, it looks like new releases coming out on DVD for TV shows on July 7th. A whole bunch of them are coming your way. All right, here's one. Kath and Kim, Season 1. It arrives on two discs with 17 episodes. Also, Matlock, Season 3, comes out with five discs and 20 episodes. And we have five discs and 22 episodes of Murder, She Wrote, the complete 10th season as it comes out on July 7th, as we said, as does Petticoat Junction, the official second season on five discs and 36 episodes. Now, of course, that's back in the 60s when they gave you a lot of episodes, and that's coming out. Petticoat Junction, the official second season. And looking ahead, uh, let's go out to September, specifically September 15th. Looks like Bonanza, the official first season, Volume 1, and... Bonanza, the official first season, Volume 2, will both be released on the same day, each with four discs and 16 episodes. So they are splitting up that season and sending them out as Volume 1 and Volume 2, but they're doing it on the same day, so you can get the complete first season on September 15th. And we'll keep you updated on that as that comes closer. That's about it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to be looking at movies on DVD. Movies on DVD from On Screen to Beyond, June 30th, Disney's Princess Protection Program makes its way to DVD July 7th. 
on July 7th, Flying By with Billy Ray Cyrus and Heather Locklear comes to DVD. And on the classic movie front, July 7th will bring us Gary Cooper and Ray Milan in Bo Jest in this 1939 version. And 1962's Lonely Are the Braves starring Kirk Douglas arrives on DVD on July 7th. And that's about it for movies coming out on DVD right now. And we'll have the interview with Tippi Hendren from The Birds and Marnie coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Joining us today on On Screen and Beyond is the star of the 1963 Alfred Hitchcock classic, The Birds. It's Tippi Hendren. Welcome to On Screen and Beyond, Tippi. Well, thank you, Brian. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I'm delighted to be here. I'd like to start off with your love of animals, and uh, we'll work into your acting if that's okay with you. Okay. Well, I, I love talking about the animals, so that's that's the best thing. All right. Um, uh, I did two films in Africa. And um, 1969 and 1970, and uh, during that time, environmentalists were saying and, and putting out a great deal of awareness about the fact that if we didn't do something, we, the editorial um, um, definitive of people of the world, if we didn't do something to save the animals in the wild, by the year 2000, they would be gone. And this was all because of, you know, overpopulation of people, um, the uh, hunting mm-hmm. and uh, poaching of these wild, beautiful wild animals. And um, my then-husband was a producer, and we, of course, went to the different game preserves and all of that sort of thing. And we thought, let's do a movie about the animals in the wild. And, um, uh, you know, we were kicking around ideas as to what, what uh, focus. Should we, should we have? Should we take a whole species and, you know, devote the film to that or pick out several different, you know, things? We really didn't know what to do until on the Gorongosa Game Preserve in Mozambique, there was a house that had been abandoned by the game warden because it flooded during the rainy season. He moved out, and a pride of lion moved in. Wow. And Brian, that we just went, that's it. We've got the perfect centerpiece for the film and dealing with animals of which most people are enchanted mm-hmm. yeah Gee. so that's that's how that all started other other than that i have always had a love for animals and uh, i call it a birth affect you know some of us have it from birth and yeah. some of us acquire it later in life but whatever whatever it does it just enhances your life now, from that point, you started, uh, now I hope I say this, is it, is it Shambhala or Shambhala? Well, we say Shambhala. Okay. I, Shambhala when I wrote work. my book, and it came out in 1985, and I went on the, on the uh, tour of the United States, uh, I kept asking people, does anybody know the Sanskrit language? Because Shambhala is a Sanskrit word that means a meeting place of peace and harmony for all beings, animal and human. And I said, I don't know whether it's Shambhala, whether it's Shambhala. Three Dog Night did a song, right. and they said Shambhala. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, I never, no one ever called me to say it's Shambhala or Shambhala. Uh-huh. Yeah. And now, uh, where exactly is this located, this preserve? 
Uh, it's do you know Los Angeles at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's off the 14 freeway. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's about 45 to an hour away from L.A. Now, how many different species do you have there? Uh, at last count, we had 11. Wow. We have um, uh, African lion, tiger, uh, leopard, black, and uh, spotted, um, mountain lion, um, lynx. Servals, lots of servals. Now, exactly uh, what, is it, what is that? A serval is a, an African animal who would live in forest areas where he or she would be able to catch rodents. Um, they can leap six, six to eight feet in the air to catch a bird on the wing. I tried to take a bat away from one of them once, and um, uh, I didn't win, <laughs> which is not surprising. Uh, but they're... they're um, they're probably the most popular exotic pet right now because they, the, like the males, weigh about forty pounds at uh, full adulthood. Ah, uh, yeah. So, um, even though the lion and tiger, the tiger is really a very popular animal, right. and you know this is a this is a a, a really wrong thing to yeah. do is to have a lion or a tiger as a pet. So, so all the animals on the preserve are rescued animals yes, that you've come. Every one of them are rescued, and we we always have between sixty-eight and seventy-two. Wow, animals. Jeez. And once they come to us, they are with us for the rest of their lives. Because hmm. you can't send them back out, right? On... No, you can't for a number of reasons. One is um, that they've never had a mom that could teach them how to live, how to live in the wild. Mm-hmm. I mean, the mothers have been born in the United States, yeah. and you know, under, um, you know, they're all born to be put in jail. It's the saddest thing in the mm. world. Yeah. Now, and no- they're apex predators. Uh-huh. And this is where the problem really comes in, because these animals hurt people all over, uh, all over wherever they're, they're brought up in, in captivity. Yeah. I mean, huge numbers of adults, children, have been maimed for life or killed or... You know, it's in the it's, it's um, in the last five or six years, it's uh, close to six hundred people. Wow! And and I mean, it's it's not the animals' fault. It's that's it is never. Yeah, the it's just fault. Their, it's their nature, uh, yeah. and it's a shame that people you know would uh, you know they see them when they're little cute cubs, and they and thought there's, there's not much cuter. Yeah. Oh, Brian, they are adorable. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Now, uh, are, they're all roaming around together? Oh, no. No, no, no. They they're would separate. hurt each other. As, well, that's as, what I was wondering, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. They're, they're, um, but I have to tell you, we, we give these animals is the best life they could have in oh, captivity. Sure. Yeah. And they have the best food. They, it's a, it's a um, uh, zoologically prepared food by uh, natural balance. And uh, it was done by a zoological veterinarian, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's absolutely perfect, and it has the perfect fat content. If one of the animals starts gaining a little weight, we put him on a lesser fat content. Mm-hmm. We have five percent, ten percent, fifteen percent, or if they're too thin, we put them on the fifteen percent. Uh, we move the animals around so they so they're not in jail. They have a different body of water to play in, different tree to climb, mm-hmm. uh, different neighbor. You know, so, um, and you don't see dead eyes in the eyes of the animals here, and 
and uh, you don't see them pacing. Yeah. The only time you might see them pacing is when it's dinner time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we start pacing, too. You know. <laughs> now, now, do you go up to the animals? Uh, Are we, you used able to, to? we used to, when we were doing our movie, we had a, a one-on-one basis with them. But all of us were hurt. Really? Yeah, yeah. my then-husband was hurt so many times. My beautiful daughter, Melanie, was scratched mm-hmm. across that that magnificent face of hers. Yeah. And uh, my two stepsons were hurt. Our VP was scalped. Wow. Uh, I was hurt. I was bitten in the back of the head and numbers of scratches. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. And, and bites. And but, um, you know, I was always wondering, why why aren't there laws yeah. against owning these animals? And, and uh, you know, just because of it, it's a public safety issue more than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so I took a, a bill that stops the interstate traffic of these animals to be sold as pets uh, to Washington. It's a federal bill. And um, when, I, when I went to the hearing, I, I just mentioned, because you have five minutes in order to get your point across. Wow. And um, I, I mentioned about, oh, 15 or 16 uh, accidents. One was a little boy who uh, had his arm ripped off by his uncle's pet tiger. Um, pet tiger in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to retrieve the arm and they reattached it, but you know, it isn't really usable. Right. Yeah. And a little girl, 11 years old, had uh, she went into the tiger's cage with her stepfather to groom the tiger. And uh, she got in the gate and the tiger jumped her and killed her. Oh, jeez. her in the neck. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is another 10-year-old boy uh, in, outside of Minneapolis, who went with his father to see a friend of theirs who had a collection of lion and tiger. And it was the policy of the man to, oh, bring out a lion or a tiger so that his guests could be photographed. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, he let the tiger out, and the tiger went right for the little boy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, and he, and then instead of closing the gate, the man went to help the little boy, and a lion got out, and they both got the little boy, and he's on, he's a quadriplegic on life support now. Oh, that's a shame. I mean, these things shouldn't be happening. Yeah. I mean, it's insanity. It's just insanity. Hmm. You know, people in Africa, when they hear about the people in the United States who buy these animals as pets, they, they, they can't believe it. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Now, with the bill that you have, uh, it, it hasn't passed yet, right? They're still no. A, we're still working on it. Still there's, working. there's a lot of um, you know opposition. We have a lot of people who are sensible. Why and, are they opposed to it? Well, uh, the, the breeder is a huge business. Ah. Uh, you know, it's it's huge. Hmm. There uh, and the the circuses have uh, want the animals. Oh, and, yeah. Um, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really fighting City Hall here with a lot of it. Yes. And now we find out that there are a number of breeders who are breeding lion and tiger to be sold as exotic meat. Oh, really? And they're oh. butchering in, in um, um, somewhere in Chicago. Oh, jeez. Oh, no, it's awful. So, you know, a lot of things you don't hear about. That's right. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's inter- interesting to hear you talk about these things because uh, it's, it's something a lot of people aren't aware of. Well, I'll tell you that it's such a huge business. I'm just going to give you a, a small example. During the last bill, I was my life was threatened as well as the, the uh, lives of the animals here. Really? Wow. Yes. Oh. 
And um, the man, although he talked a big, you know, <laughs> big conversation, uh, he wasn't very smart. He left the message on my machine. <laughs> and I had heard of this man. He, had, he was a felon. And uh, so I called the police, and and uh, because he was from out of state, the um, FBI came in, and then we didn't hear any more from him. Wow. Uh, but I couldn't drive my own car. I had to have somebody with me. I had to have somebody at my home with me all the time. And, uh, you know, it was, we had to have, when we have, we only work open one weekend a month. Mm-hmm. And we're very exclusive. We are a sanctuary. Yeah. And um, uh, we had to have the sheriff come in and go through everybody's bags to make sure nobody was bringing in anything that could hurt or harm me or hurt the animals. They, was, they had threatened to bring in all kinds of illnesses and diseases. Oh, jeez. I mean, it was just, it was just awful. Jeez. Now, if somebody wanted to get information about uh, the preserve, uh, what is there a website they can go yes, to? Yes, shambhala.org, S-H-A-M-B-A-L-A.org, like an organization, mm-hmm. O-R-G. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, what I can do is I'll put a link on our website so oh, that would uh, be people can get to it. That would be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, um, we have a, a wonderful school program. Um, because um, of insurance um, um, problems, we can't have kids come on our safari days. Uh-oh. We call them safaris, and it's a three-and-a-half plan program. Mm-hmm. And so on Tuesdays, we have our school days. Oh. So a whole class could come, and um, they really enjoy it. I'm sure. Yeah, you know, and we teach them just exactly what kind of animals these are, and they are not pets. Mm-hmm. And should never be considered a pet. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I have a uh, a saying that I I tell everybody that that um, there isn't one thing that we can give uh, a wild animal that they need in captivity. Mm-hmm. Not one thing. Yep. That yeah. they really need. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's a little squirrel in your backyard or a Siberian tiger. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. They're wild. They they know what they're doing if you let them do what they do. <laughs> yes. And do another great way of expressing what they do is uh, they are the reason that you never see old animals in the wild. You never see sick animals, lame animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's because of them. Yeah. And it's a genetic dictate for them, and then they get their dinner at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's just the way it is. And yeah. And the bill that I'm working on now is titled um, the a Federal Ban on the Breeding of the Exotic Feline for Personal Possession. Mm-hmm. Well. And uh, Ed Perlmutter, uh, a representative from uh, Colorado, is uh, introducing it on the, on the Democratic side. And my own congressman, Buck McKeon, is introducing it on the uh, uh, Republican side. Oh, well, we don't. We, uh, I have a number of of, uh, of Congress who who really got behind this bill in 2003, which is the Captive Wildlife Safety Act, mm-hmm. and many of them are still uh, in position to do, be of great help again. So I'm going to be calling on them. 
Yeah, well, I wish you luck on that because yeah, it's it's, a, it's an important thing, really. I mean, like you well, say, I for hope safety. Everybody, I hope everybody will look at this as a serious, serious thing and, and write to their congressman mm-hmm. uh, to support the bill and their senators yeah. for support because your your voice really means a lot. That's good. We'll, like I said, we'll put a... Uh, a link to that to uh, so people can get some more information. And yeah, I'd like to tell you about where a few of these animals came from. Uh, Leo came from, was living in a in a basement in a house outside of Branson, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, King was uh, Stevie was walking down the streets of Kirk, of Kirksville, Missouri, all by himself. I mean, they find that these people find they can't take care of these animals, so they just open the door and let them out. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> well, yeah, it is very extremely dangerous. Jeez, yeah. yeah. Um, there's um, a black leopard purchased in Texas for $6,000 and brought to a very beautiful home in uh, Newport Beach. And as he grew from, he looks like a little kitten, you know. Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, as he grew, he was scratching the ladies' satin sofas and chewing her Jimmy Choo's shoes, so she, she put him in a closet, and that's where he lived. And the husband would come home at night and put, out great, put on great big leather gauntlets uh, on his arms up to his shoulders and take the cat out and wrestle with him, and then, therefore teaching that cat that this is what you do with humans. Right, yeah, jeez. You know? And there's just one story after the other. Um, there was a man in, in California who had a collection of 90 big cats, and he didn't have the money to pay for them, so he'd every now and then throw roadkill over the fence. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was breeding the tigers, and the tigers, uh, the mothers were so undernourished, they didn't have any milk. And uh, so they were starving, and they, they would die. And this man, would, his name was John Weinhardt. And he had a place called, um, uh, almost makes me sick to say it, Tiger Rescue. And he put the little tigers in a, in a, a freezer. Oh, and uh, when California Fish and Game finally closed him down after a great number of us really started saying, why is this place still open? USDA said, uh, the Department of Agri- Agriculture said, well, there aren't enough inspectors. Oh, and... When, when he was finally uh, closed down, he put 17 little tiger cubs and left at the age of two weeks up in his air conditioning system. We took two of those little tigers. Boy. And uh, we took uh, eight animals altogether. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we found homes for the others through the American Sanctuary Association, which is an organization that uh, we founded in the year 1999, I believe it was, uh, to um, uh, as a as a, an accrediting facility, and um, you know so that that uh, if I, if Shambhala couldn't take an animal, whether it was um, a lion or a tiger or a serval or a, a, a primate or a bear, because a lot of people call us take all kinds of different animals. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I got a call from um, LAPD, and they wondered if I could take four cobras. <laughs> I said, no. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> but I found a place for them. You know? Wow. <laughs> but um, 
This is an incredible thing we do. Yeah. And now, is it true you also had some uh, some of the wild animals from Michael Jackson's? Yes, we have uh, uh, Thriller and Sabu. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they're very, very beautiful. They were very healthy when they came in. And they had been eating the same uh, food that um, our our cats do, the uh, the natural balance um, mm-hmm. yeah. food. And uh, they had been cared for very, very well, uh, to the contrary of a very big or animal organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they're they're still with us, and they're they're doing well. Wow! It's it's hard for all of them when they first come in. I'm sure. You it's know, a... it really is, and and because uh, it's a change of everything in their lives you know? right yeah. yeah and we have them up in quarantine for a month we just got a little serval in a serval mix the, the, the savannah and she had been terrorizing the hollywood hills and and uh, attacking people's cats and and uh you it's know it's another been... animal that they say is very safe and very wonderful wow. and Jeez. and they're not and it just been let loose uh well they're they're um uh escape artists Ah. <laughs> yeah, we find a lot of them. We've, we had another one uh, that was uh, walking down the streets of Santa Monica here in California. In Santa Monica? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, and most people aren't aware right. of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yes, they are beautiful. They have a great capacity for love. For love. They have a sense of humor. They're dominancy problems, and... In a split second, they can hurt you or kill you. Oh yeah, God. I mean, look at Siegfried and Roy. Yes, same thing. And and you know they they you know they had treated them well and everything. It's oh yeah, and, and you know we uh, there are times when we get young ones in and you feed it with a bottle and you know it's almost like caring for a baby. Right. Yeah. But by the time they're seven months old, they can destroy your house and and after that they'll start taking a pretty good chunk out of you because they don't have a mom to 400 pound mom to say i've got to teach you some manners right, knock yeah. it off yeah geez. nor do they have any siblings to play with yeah so you become the sibling mm. and you're going to lose every time <laughs> yes, sure. you are. yes you are it's you know what it's like brian it's like putting a loaded pistol on your coffee table mm-hmm. yep I mean, no one in their right mind would do that. Yeah, 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 it's true. Yeah. Jeez. Well, I God. wish you a lot of luck with that because that's that's an important thing. I mean... Yes, it is. Yeah? Yes, it is. And I, there, there is not a good reason why any of these animals should be sold as a pet. Mm-hmm, yeah. Or to be out in public to be photographed. Right, yeah. You know, there was a little uh, young girl, Hilde, uh, Hildebrand, who... Um, went with her class, uh, and this was in Kansas. She went with her, her, some of her school chums to get a really, really unique photograph for their yearbook. And um, they went to have a picture taken with a tiger. And they all stepped up and had their fo- photographs taken. She stepped up, and uh, the tiger moved and stepped on her foot, and she screamed, and the tiger jumped her and bit her in the neck, and again, she was dead. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So there isn't there isn't a good enough reason. Yeah. To have these being as dangerous as they are. Let them be in the wild and. Yes. Yeah. And do their job. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez.
Now, uh, with your, with all of this, and you know, you said you made a movie and everything with it. Uh, getting into your your movie making, um, did you uh, start out? I know you were a model for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, for about eleven years in in New York, I was with Eileen Ford. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it did. Was your intention to eventually become an actress, or? No, not at all. In fact, I I had been asked by a couple of studios while while I was modeling to um, come to Hollywood and go under contract. And, you know, it was during the time when television was just taking off, Mm -hmm. and everybody was watching The Little Black Box. Yeah. And, um, you know, I thought I would see, you know, that sounds fascinating, but it's certainly not a good business move. You know, I was doing well, and... And, uh, you know, I had my little girl, and it was important for me to be able to support her. Um, so I was a, a single mom. And, um, but after about 11 years, I thought she ought to have some time to just be a little girl and go out and play. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that living in New York. So we moved to California, and I thought my career would carry on as it had in in L.A. and New York, and it didn't. And I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I don't type. (laughs) So, so, um, you know, and I had rented an expensive home in Westwood, California, and and, um, uh, we had a nanny, and I had a lot of responsibilities. So uh, on Friday the 13th of October in 1961, uh, I received a call from Universal Studios asking if I was the woman in the um, uh, pet milk product. It was a diet drink called Seago. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. And they said, well, there's a producer, director, who is interested in in you. Would you come over to the studio and bring any film and and uh, uh, your photo book and all that? And so I said, well, yes. And I did, and they wouldn't tell me who it was. And mm. that was on a Friday, as I said. And and all through over the weekend, I didn't know who this producer director was. Yeah. And um, they asked if I'd come back on Monday, and and I did, and you know to pick up my things. And um, uh, I met one executive after the other, and no one would tell me who it was. <laughs> And on Tuesday, I went to the uh, agency, uh, MCA, which was not the big conglomerate it became, but it was a huge and very important um, agency. And uh, one of the agents there said, Alfred Hitchcock wants to sign you to a contract. If you agree with the terms, we'll go over and meet him. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't know whether to run up and down the halls or (laughs) jump for joy or what. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, it was, uh, I said, uh, what are the terms? And I agreed to it, mm-hmm. and uh, we went over to meet him, and he was standing at the door looking very pleased with himself. Now, how was it working for, for Alfred Hitchcock? I mean, you know, he had, he had done some amazing things. Some pretty heavy movies. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was um, it was actually absolutely fabulous. I mean, he was not only my... My director, he was my drama coach. Mm-hmm. Jeez. I mean, you know. So it was, it was, um, and, and he was absolutely brilliant at it. Oh, yeah. And I still use the same, same tactics yeah. as I did uh, with The Birds and Marnie. 
Yeah. Now the birds being the the first one yeah. that you worked with him. I mean, you know, that's a good movie to start working on. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> you know, we not only I not only was working with some real heavyweight actors. You know, with uh, Rod Taylor and Suzanne Blachette and Jessica Tandy. Mm-hmm. I had to work with all those birds. You know, yeah. those actors that. Was it, was it difficult working? I mean, emotionally and physically on. on oh, that. sure it was. Sure it was. Boy. Yeah, it was. Um, um, it was scary at times and exhausting, mm-hmm. really exhausting. Yeah. Now, did you ever actually get hurt on on while you were making it? Yeah, I did. Um, a couple of times, I I had uh, problems with them. Uh, getting too close and scratching or, or whatever. And in that scene, do you remember the movie where I was to, uh, you know, go up to hear, you know, I hear a noise and I go up the stairs and then I open the door very carefully and yes and go in and um, I'm immediately attacked by all these ravens and, and seagulls. and Yes. Uh, yeah, that, and that scene took a, a full week to do. Wow. He wanted it to look like the shower scene in Psycho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know... All his, those fast cuts. Yeah, his movies mm-hmm. were a lot of like that. And mm-hmm. in, in fact, that's a question that somebody... Uh, we always ask on our website if people have any questions of you. Oh, uh, you know, And that is basically the question that uh, Beth from, um, who was it, Ohio, uh, she asked. She says, in the scene where you entered the upstairs room in the house and the uh-huh. birds start attacking you uh-huh. and you fall against the door... Uh, were there actually birds in the room with you? They, she wants to know. Oh, they sure, they sure were. And, and the, the really awful part of that scene was I was told, because when, when I read the script, I said, and Mr. Hitchcock, how would we be doing that scene at the end? And he said, oh, that we'll use, we'll use, uh, we'll use the mechanical birds like we do with children. Hmm. And I said, okay, fine. But they didn't have any intention of using mechanical birds. Oh. <laughs> and nobody told me. Everybody on the set kept that from me. Jeez. So, uh, the morning, it was a Monday morning that we started, and Jim Brown, who was our assistant director, came into my dressing room on the set. And, uh, you know, by that time, we, this was a scene that we did at the end of the movie, of the, of the movie shoot. And he walked in, and he couldn't look at me. He looked at the floor, at the walls, at the ceiling. I said, what's the matter with you, Jim? He said, um, the mechanical birds don't work. We have to use real runs, and out the door he went. Wow. And I went out to the set, and sure enough, and that wasn't just, you know, just right then and there decision, because the, the chain link had already been built around the set to keep control of the birds. Mm-hmm. And um, there were five cra- cartons of raven and seagull. Wow. <laughs> and five prop men who just hurled birds at me for a week. <laughs> so every scene you were in, was it always real birds or were some mechanical like you were mentioning? Um, with, with us, it was, they were real birds. All the time. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and the bird trainer was wonderful. His name was Ray Berwick. The, the, and he... He loved those birds so much. Uh, at one point, um, when, you know, in the, in the party scene with the kids? Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, you know, they, they, they were circling and dive-bombing and all that. Yeah. O'Ray had taught three seagulls uh, individually to take off from his arm 
you know, swing around and dive bomb the kids and then come back to his arm. Well, the first two did, they were perfect. Uh, they did their little act and they came right back to him. The third one took off. Now, ordinarily that wouldn't be a problem, but because they were working with the kids, uh, Ray had uh, loosely wired the beaks so they couldn't hurt the kids. And so he had to go to Mr. Hitchcock and say, we have to close down for the afternoon. I have to go and find that bird. And fortunately, Hitchcock was an animal lover, so he, you know, um, said absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Ray got into a very, very quiet rowboat and went out into the reeds of uh, Bodega Bay until he found and uh, until he found that bird. Wow! And took the wire off; otherwise, the bird would have died. Right. A, yeah. A very, very um, oh, it would have been horrible death. Yeah. Yeah. Of starvation. Right. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Oh. I mean, there are lots of stories. Yeah, the filming of that is, I mean, it's so, you know, nowadays it's all done with computers and everything, sure. but this was yes. not like that. <laughs> that's right. Oh, and I, apparently they're going to be making a, re, doing a remake. Well, that's the question I had. They, they keep, you know, I've heard it's been on, then it's off, and then it's, oh, it's on. Been going, they've been doing it for five years. Yeah. They're talking about it. Yeah. What, what do you think about that when oh, you I think it's it? Oh, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean. I, I really do. I think, why? I mean, it was a master. Oh, None yeah. of the films have ever been a success that they've been that they've um, done remakes. Yeah, even when they did it scene for scene on Psycho, it just That's it's right. not the same. Literally frame by frame right. and it didn't work. Yeah, I mean it's it's I mean these are classics and there's certain ones. I mean, yes, they can remake some things, but uh, I mean something like that is just uh, you know, uh, and you know what they would do with it. They would turn around and change it into a, a blood fest. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I mean, absolutely. Th- that's the thing about birds is something that I always liked was the fact that it's the, the, the horror was the fact that you didn't know what was going on and causing this. It's, it was, you know, yeah. and it's not just, you know, let's tear everybody apart and things like that. It's, yeah. it's, it was just a fantastic movie. Did you ever read the uh, Daphne du Maurier book, uh, the short story, The Birds? No, no. Well, that's, um, uh, Hitchcock had read that story and uh, thought it would make a, a, you know, a really incredible film, but, you know, it was a difficult thing to do. Oh, yeah. And, um, uh, but uh, it, that story is nothing like the, the Hitchcock film. Oh, really? It's, no, it takes place in, it's about a 15-minute read, if you can. Uh, it's, it's interesting. It yeah. takes place in... On the London shore, uh, with a peasant family, and they are attacked by the birds. And the the ending in in it is, um, oh, analogous to the end of the world. Hmm. The birds take over everything. Yeah, yeah. And one one day we were sitting around, uh, and Hitch was talking about uh, endings, a variety of endings. And the one that I liked the best was where it shows the family driving uh, into going to San Francisco and they come to the Golden Gate Bridge and it's covered with birds. Wow. <laughs> and then the arches in, um, uh, you know, in the Midwest. Yeah. Ah, where are they? Those, that, that beautiful arch. The, the St. Louis? The what? The arch in St. Louis you're talking about? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah? Okay. And it's covered, it just shows that and it's covered with birds. Mm. And 
Statue of Liberty is covered with birds, and the Eiffel Tower is <laughs> covered with birds. And I like that one, but he didn't. Yeah. I guess it would have been very expensive to um, to do that. Now, yeah, nowadays they could probably do it cheaper because of the special effects and everything. In but, a split second. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm sure that would have been quite an expense. But uh, yeah. I mean, the ending of the movie now is the way it's they did it. It was it's like. You know, you, you, you're driving away, and, and, and it's like, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, well, Brian, they lived happily ever after. Right. <laughs> <laughs> of course. It's yeah. a movie. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's such a great film. It's it's just a, a really good film, and you did a fantastic job in well, that. Well, thank you. I am I really kind of like Marnie uh, better because it was a, the character was so complicated. Yeah, I was going to ask you which one. It's, <laughs> it's yeah, funny, you're I anticipating guess. all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've been asked 50 oh, million sorry. times, but <laughs> so you do prefer Marnie? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, and it was it was it was just an you know incredible to work with uh, Sean Connery and um, Louise Latham, who played my mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, they really aged her. Oh, they, really? Because she was my peer. Oh, really? Time. Yeah. You couldn't tell from the film. No, they, it was magnificent work. Yeah, I was just I, before we we went on, you know, the tape here. Um, I was uh, I had looked at some scenes, and uh, I was looking at the one w- with you and your mother and uh, the little girl. Yes. And uh, I was I was that was one of the ones I watched, and it uh, it was uh, it was interesting. It, it uh, all of it, I think. Was oh yeah, yeah, fabulous. Yeah. The the book um, uh, Marnie was really very very interesting because. You, um, you could see all. You, you would read her thoughts. You mm-hmm. know, which was is uh, something that you can't always get across on a, in a film. Right. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, because she was she was extremely devious. Yeah. Now, how was it working on that film with your? Here it is, your second movie, uh, again with Alfred Hitchcock, and you've got Sean Connery, who had already made two of his Bond films. So he he. Of course, he had done other things before too, but you know, yes. Bond was throwing him way oh. out into the the public. Was how was that? And he was hot at that time, <laughs> as the saying goes, the Hollywood expression goes. Uh, and um, I have to tell you a funny story. I hope we have time. Oh yeah, I mean, oh, okay. as long as you do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right. Um, uh, you know, uh, um, Hitchcock was looking for the Mark Rutland character. Mm-hmm. And uh, he looked at every uh, popular actor of the early 60s. And um, he couldn't figure out who to get. And finally he came in one day and he said, I have found your Mark Rutland. I said, great, who is it? And he said, Sean Connery. And I said, Sean Connery, the same Sean Connery who just got out of Dr. No. <laughs> the same Sean Connery who is so handsome he could melt the iciest of blondes. <laughs> I said, Mr. Hitchcock, are you, do you remember my character of Marnie is so frigid that she screams every time a man comes near her? Now, how am I supposed to handle that? <laughs> and he said, it's called acting, my dear. <laughs> Which was fabulous. <laughs> well, you did a good job, I'll tell you. Yeah. Uh, you know, so many people have said, well, did you have some sort of a little affair with him? I said, look me right in the eye because I will tell you no. And you know the reason? Because if I had, 
it would show <laughs> on screen. Yeah. There's a, you can't hide that. Hmm. You know? So we had a very platonic kind of relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, it God. was hard, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it wasn't easy. <laughs> oh, and we see each other every few years, you know, and um, on occasion he comes to L.A. and, um, you know, we had a wonderful event for honoring him at uh, AFI. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it was really it was spectacular. Well, he's such a... Uh, He's an actor's actor. I mean, yes, he is. You know, he, he just his just his presence. Is, I mean, I've never met him personally or anything like that, but he, he just seems to you know his presence demands your respect. I mean, it's just amazing. Absolutely, it does. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. That was a that was a quite an exciting few years of my life. Yeah, I'm sure. Gee. Yeah. Now, uh, another thing, and and you brought up your daughter, uh, Melanie Griffith. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've worked with her on on many films, right? It was well, not not that many. Uh, we did um, a movie called Roar. Yeah. And um, oh, there was another one. Pacific uh, Heights. Pacific Heights, yes. Yeah. That, no, that's a scary movie. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's whoa. <laughs> that was so Hitchcock. Yes, I know. That's what that's what I thought that it, uh-huh. you know it, it uh, had Very that feel. Very definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, wh- when you're working with your daughter like that. Um, is it hard to work with her because does your motherly instincts kick in and say, well, you should do it this way or this way? <laughs> no, you know what? She is so good. Oh, yes. And by the time uh, we did our movie Roar, which we worked together a lot, she had, um, uh, oh, gosh, she had already uh, been to New York and studied there. And, you know, she was really, she's such a good actress. She's just uh, it uh, it was like she was born with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, she has good roots. So. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so. And I have three beautiful grandchildren. Oh, you do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Alexander is 23, and he's living in New York, and uh, Dakota um, is 19 and very happy to be in 19. And she's doing a movie in uh, Toronto, at the moment, oh, and Stella Del Carmen Banderas Griffith is um, uh, just graduated from grade school. Oh, jeez! Yeah. and that's she's great. so she's amazing too. She's uh, uh, a plus student in all of her subjects. She's uh, she was class president last year. Hmm. Uh, she's on the all star soccer team. She's in a theater group. They're, they're very active kids. Yeah, you sound like a very proud grandmother. Oh, you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I can talk uh, right up there with the rest of them. Do you think uh, that? Do you think she'll get into acting? Oh, I think. Um, who I mean, it knows? seems like it seems like you know the, the the family is just going down the line and continuing. <laughs> well, it it could be, and then of course Stella's father is Antonio Banderas. Right. So that, yeah. I mean, the, the whole and. Um, Dakota's uh, brother, uh, who is not Melanie's son, but he's as much Melanie's as, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, Melanie's a fabulous mom. Yeah. Just really wonderful. He's in acting as well. Hmm, boy. So, yeah. You know what they should do some days, have the whole family. In a movie. <laughs> in a movie. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be great. And you know what's really funny is we never talk about acting. Really? Yeah. Uh-uh. You want no. to just set it aside. We're all having fun or we're talking 
politics and all our different views and yeah. oh my, it gets very heavy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I also understand that you are currently on the ballot for the Emmy consideration for the role of uh, yes. Karen Rosenthal on yes. CSI Las Vegas, right? Yes. Yes, boy, that's Which I'm very excited about. Yeah. I mean, just to be nominated is 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 wonderful. Yeah, that's that's great. Now, when does that come about? The the decisions. On, I think September. In September. I think so. Yeah. Hmm, well, good luck on that. Oh, thank you. And. Uh, thank you. Another thing I wanted to mention was uh, you were one of the inductees into the Smithsonian Institute's first permanent entertainment history exhibit. That was very exciting as well. I mean, that that must be an yeah. honor. I mean, it's the Smithsonian. <laughs> I know, and all the all the the divas that uh, I'm I'm very honored to be with that group. Yeah, gee, that's great. Yeah. Now, now, what was it that you put into the exhibit? Oh, I put um, uh, scripts uh, from. Uh, Marnie and the Birds. Wow. Um, you know, over a period of years, the, all of the, you know, all of the things that, that might have been kind of wonderful um, it, it went to charity, mm -hmm. you know, for auctions and, and things. So. Yeah. Uh, but I have the, uh, oh, and I also gave some uh, um, uh, drawings that Edith Head had done. Oh. Yeah. Uh, of uh, some of the, the clothes. The clothes that you wore in those movies, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's And uh, I have the uh, the dressmaker dummy of my body that Edith had had made so that she could do all the costumes. Hmm. You know, so I'm going to, that's going to go, and they know they, uh, just at the right time, they'll uh, take it to New, to uh, Washington. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to go down there because I've, I've I've had the opportunity to talk with several different uh, of the the inductees, um, uh, Julie Newmar. Oh, good! And, oh, she's uh, such fun. And Carol Channing. Yes. And uh, Rosemary. Uh huh. And so it's 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 really interesting to hear you know to talk with you and then turn around and go to the Smithsonian and see these these different things. So. Yes. Yeah. And it is. It's 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 wonderful. It's a, it's such a wonderful honor. Oh, I'm sure. It, it, yeah. Well, well, I wish my parents could see, you know, the, all the things that I'm, I'm doing, and they were, they were, uh, they didn't um, leave me until they were in their. My mother was 95, and my daddy was 87. Wow. And uh, I got good genes. Mm. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, but you know the things that I'm working on in Washington, and and uh, you know the the grandchildren and all of that. I, Keeps you busy, right? <laughs> yeah, it keeps me busy, and I, I wish they were here to enjoy them. Too. Yes, yeah. yes, I know. Yeah. Well, um, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us. I mean, this has been fascinating, hearing you tell the different stories and things. And, uh, oh, we could we could probably do several shows. I know, that's what I... <laughs> I you know, I hear you telling these stories, and, and you mention other stories that you could tell, and it's like, oh, I wish we could do them. <laughs> yeah, well... Um, I don't know. We could have the Brian and Tippy show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that might be fun. But, but I, um, so please come and see us one day. Yeah. Look us up and see when we're open and. Yeah. What and like I say, I'm going to. I want everybody who's listening to make sure they go to our website and uh, they can get a link that will take you right to uh, the Shambhala Preserve information and uh, they can get there and get some information and, and uh, 
I don't, do you, do you take donations and things oh, like that? Oh boy, you know, I was just going to mention that because it's, you know, with the economy right now, it's just it's just awful. It must be hard. I mean, yeah, I'm sure they is. I'm sure they eat. <laughs> yeah, well, we serve about 500 pounds of, of meat every day. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so. And interestingly enough, we have a huge flock of raven who live here. Oh, really? Yeah, because they're meat eaters. Uh-huh. And uh, they follow the, the crew as they go along feeding everybody. And um, oh, some, of the, some of the ravens go right down and take steal food away from a lion or a tiger. Wow. And we have a... Brave. Um, a liger whose father is a lion, mother was a... Tigress, and uh, he's a very benevolent uh, animal. He's huge. They have uh, what is known as gigantism, mm-hmm. and uh, they become very large. Yeah. And he's so benevolent, though. He just, you know, when the when the ravens come down and they get so close to him, it's he chuffs to them like the tigers say hello. And it's like like he's, of course, we anthropomorphize, and he's, it's like he's saying, how are you guys doing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, dude. <laughs> you Come know, on, have breakfast. <laughs> it, it's funny, um, and I've said this to, to many of the actors uh, that I've been, you know, talking with, but uh, I sit here and I hear you talking, and my mind, hearing your voice my mind drifts to, <laughs> to the, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it hasn't changed. It's still, you know, uh, oh, I hope so. I from hope the birds. <laughs> Good. You know, I, I can, uh, uh, you know, see you, you know, uh, your voice when you were talking, you know, when you, uh, in the film, when you were on the phone talking to somebody and uh-huh. I think you were talking to your father or something. Yes. Uh, and, uh, oh, I, uh, Charlie, I was talking. To. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but it's, it, it, I mean, your voice is so much like that still. It's, well, <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of. But anyway, we were getting back to the donations, and yes, yes. we need them desperately. Yes. And um, there's um, there's no donation too small, and there's no donation too large, and um, I have to raise a million dollars every year wow. to take care of. Uh, then that amortizes itself out to seventy five thousand, and I I want all the everybody to know that I have never ever taken a salary. Or any any monies away from the animals. Mm-hmm. Um, when we did our movie, I kept putting it back in into the production because that's what you do when you're co-producer. I've never been paid as president of the Roar Foundation, which I founded in '83, yeah. or the Shambhala Preserve mm-hmm. as director. And I've donated all of the property to the to the Roar Foundation, so the animals will always be safe. And uh, so I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope people will go and help to, uh, you know, to be able to feed these animals and help you keep them uh, living the life they deserve from oh. what, you know, they've been pulled away from their natural habitat and they yeah. deserve to be taken care of now. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yes, they do. And, uh, you know, with their life expectancy in captivity, I mean, our animals live uh, an average of 20 years Yeah. in captivity. They, they live to 8 to 10 years in the wild. That's amazing. Mm, yeah. But... Um, you know they've got the best, best human care, best doctors, best of everything. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. You're doing some great work. And I listen. I live here, and I listen to them roaring, and I look out my windows and I see them. And oh, so you live right next to them? I do. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I thought you lived someplace else. But <laughs> no, no, no. I live right here, and I, 
uh, right now, Patrick, the liker, is outside my bedroom window, and there's three little servals off my back deck and a mountain lion off my kitchen. Wow. And from then on down the preserve, there's lion and tiger and leopard and mountain lion and, and a few humans thrown in. <laughs> Well, I want to thank you so much, Tippy, for taking the time to talk to us. It's, well, it's... you're a delight to talk to, Brian, and and uh, I hope all of your audience will think of us. And, and uh, as far as donations go, every drop of rain helps to fill the rain barrel. Mm-hmm. All right. Great. That's pretty prophetic, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tippy. Well, thank you very much. Okay. You're welcome, Brian. All right. <laughs> Wow, Tippi Hendren, such a great guest and an amazing woman, and she's doing so much for those animals that need to be rescued and uh, taking care of them and everything. And uh, it's so much fun hearing those stories she had about Alfred Hitchcock and the birds and Marnie and Sean Connery and all that stuff. It's it's, it's just just a lot of fun to listen to that. And she's such a great guest, she says she's going to come back on the show in uh, probably a month or two, she's going to give us an update on some things. And uh, she's uh, actually still showing uh, in movies, and she's popping up every once in a while. So if, uh, you know, you might catch her. I, uh, a couple months ago, about a month ago, I saw her on a movie on, uh, I think it was Lifetime or something like that. And it's always good to see her on film. And uh, let's see what else we're going to have coming up your way. Uh, our next guest will be coming up, of course, next week. And uh, some once in a while, when we get a guest that we have to get up right off because of whatever reason, we may be popping in another guest, another show, another interview uh, in between our usual Sunday Monday releases, and uh, we, we keep you you know informed on that uh, at the website. So make sure you check the website often. You might find that we've posted up another interview. And uh, we just want to make sure you don't miss any. But, of course, you can't miss them because they're always going to be up there. And you can turn around and you can listen to those. And uh, if you can go all the way back to our first one, which featured Mickey Jones, who was the drummer for Bob Dylan and uh, Kenny Rogers and Trini Lopez and John, uh, Johnny Rivers. And it's just he's such a great guest. Nice guy. And uh, let's, you know, and all the other people we've interviewed, Bob Barker and uh uh, Lee Majors, and more recently those people, and uh, Cliff Robertson. A lot of good ones. Check them out. Uh, they're all good, of course. And uh, check our website, and we have the weekly movie top ten that uh, comes your way at the beginning of each week as we list the top box office movies that are going to be that have been come out over the weekend, and you'll find out which ones are doing big box office at the movies. And uh, that's about it. For episode, let me see, 61. Boy, they are just moving along, and we've got some more great guests coming your way. Uh, Just so exciting to hear about these people that we have coming, and we keep making better and bigger connections. And uh, you hear them here. You hear the stars tell their stories right here on On Screen and Beyond. And we don't just cut them up and just, you know, give them X amount of time. We let them tell their stories, and we don't cut them off and say, oh, we got to go, you know can't uh, get a commercial or something like that Uh, we want you to enjoy the whole show and we've got it right here on on screen and beyond so until next time when we bring you episode 62 this is brian saying take care 